Hi guys, Amy here. I'm back for series two of my podcast, The Boring Shit You Need to Know About Business. In series two, I'm so excited to bring you more business owners and conversation to challenge the way we do things in business. So today I'm joined by Jim Bajada. Yep, my dad. He is, however, also a CPA and an owner of EasyPack, which is a 3PL and rework solutions business providing tailored solutions to organizations. Welcome, Dad. Thanks for joining me finally. It's a pleasure, Amy. Today, I wanted to sit down with you to discuss um, SWOT analysis. But before we get into SWOT analysis, tell me a little bit about EasyPack and what you guys do there and what it's all about. Well, pretty loosely, EasyPack is sort of categorized as a packing company. We do 3PL and we do what we call value add. So if we talk about 3PL first, it's uh, people who buy online, uh, process orders through to our client and that their order bounces to us. We pick their product, which is stored in our factory, and we send it out via normally via Australia Post. I'm sure many of your listeners have purchased something online, and this is the combination of that. So that's, that's about it from the 3PL part. The value-add section is a little bit more interesting, and it's probably the basis of our business at the moment, or the bigger part of our business, although with the movement of internet purchasing or whatever we probably think the 3PL will take over eventually yeah with value add it's, it's exactly what it what it says that clients will send us products for us to combine with other products or to bring up to australian standards or to to combine products in a pack that goes out we do uh, we do packing every month for a company called ballabox uh, some of your listeners may have heard of it yeah. it's a subscription pack and we pack those. So client will tell us, here's what we want to go in this box. There might be 10 to 12 different boxes. And they'll say, we want to make a total sum of, say, 25,000 boxes made up mm-hmm. of certain configurations. And we do that and we, we prepare it. And then we send it out again, normally via Australia Post. I often see a lot of small business owners who have subscription boxes, mm. not too dissimilar to Ballabox, mm. where their lounge rooms are full of boxes and their tables are full of product and they're yeah. trying to get it out. But that's you take that away from... Well, that's having... right. Well, what, yeah. what we've, we've sort of picked up a little bit, bit of a niche in the marketplace where we're not afraid to pick up the small accounts. So the mums mm. and dads that are purchasing out of... China, for example, and operate their business out of their garage or their lounge room. Eventually, it gets too big for them yeah. if they're if they're lucky, or they're just bored shitless. To quote your <laughs> this program, so um, they're bored with it, and it's taking away their social life. Yeah. So what they do is they contact us and they say, "Look, we want you to take this over for us." So their product comes into our store, into our facility. And as I said before, orders are still go still go via their their website, bounces to us, and we pick the product and send it out yeah. with a twenty four hour uh, turnaround. Cool. Just getting back to value add, there's some interesting things that I don't know if you're interested to hear, but yeah. things like um, one of the very first jobs we we had, we got these small like little bean bags, yeah, to to rest your laptop on if you're sitting up in bed. We had to take out the inner with the bean that's where the beans were. It was in like a mesh container. And we'd then have to take the toggle off the zip because it was regarded as a health hazard here in mm. Australia and then put it back in. 
I can't tell you how many times we put a Barbie doll with a Ken doll <laughs> and sent them off to uh, Target or whatever yeah. via our client. And then the next year, <clears throat> the ones that didn't sell came back and we separated the Barbie doll from the Ken doll. Yeah. So that was, a, that was a bit of a divorce. It's funny. It's, um, it's not the sort of thing I thought of until you started the business that mm. these sorts of things could actually yeah. be happening yeah. behind the scenes. You just assume that they're going to mm. purchase products that are right. And, but yeah. you know, it's interesting hearing about the whole Australian standard component and being That's able right. to bring things up to code or even just couple things up like mm. Ken and Barbie that make sense and yeah. then rework it later <laughs> after yeah. the divorce. Look, the whole, the whole thing started years before I joined the, joined the company with little pencil sets for aeroplanes for children that are oh, traveling. Yeah. yeah. And so that's how it all started. So our clients have sort of got a bit smarter nowadays. And what they're doing now is pointing agents in China. Yep. And they're saying, look, the product shall not leave China until it's right, Certainly. according to our standards. So you're here today, like I said, to talk about SWOT analysis. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to talk to you about SWOT analysis is because we've talked about this a few times in our lifetime together. Um, we both had very similar backgrounds in our financial training and it was, it was a common strategy that I certainly knew about when I was going to school and certainly starting out when evaluating a business. For those who aren't aware of what a SWOT analysis is, it basically stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And we accountants love a good acronym, which is where the SWOT comes yeah. from. Yeah. The premise behind it is to analyze these components of your business to be able to make it more or to make more informed decisions. Beauty in this type of analysis is it allows you to use it for flexible thinking and can be used not only for an entire business, but for components of the business as well. Mm -hmm. And essentially you'll be armed with a strong strategy for prioritizing work when you need to mm -hmm. grow your business. So I, I do love the concept, but the reason why I wanted to chat with you today about it is because I challenge whether or not it is still being used by many business yeah. owners and you're a big fan. You're a big user of SWOT analysis for your business and have been for the businesses that you've yeah. been a part of, yeah? Well, in direct answer to that question, it's still used because I use it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I can say that categorically. All right, fair but, enough. <laughs> but I think, you know, I have been thinking about this and I reckon we use SWOT analysis whether we know it or not. Yeah, um, I agree. And it doesn't just mean in business. It's also sometimes in your personal life. Mm -hmm. You know, if, you, if you're deciding to spend on a television, your strength is that you've got the money for it. The weakness might be that you don't know the technical side of it. You've got an opportunity because you can ring your kids. Or I can ring the kids. <laughs> hey, what do you think about this? So it's just the normal process of decision-making. On a formal basis... I guess the best example is that I was working for a company called uh, Brambles, Brambles mm -hmm. Transport. Very, very strong company. It's sort of broken up a little bit now, but very strong company at the time. In fact, in 1980, BRW claimed that, that Brambles was the, was the best managed company in Australia. It was the first time BHP had been knocked wow. off number one. So that was a source of pride at the time. But yeah. I'm saying this because... Even such a large company like that would spend 
quite seriously, two and a half months preparing budgets. Now, when you think about it, a SWOT analysis is phase one of the budget, mm. right? Yeah. It's, it's pointless going in and staying to say what's going to be our revenue and, and, and our costs, etc. If you're doing it correctly, and this is what, this is what we did at Brambles, and it, it was at a, at a time when I was reasonably new into my career, Mm-hmm. And I was very impressed by that. And that's probably why SWOT analyses has stuck with me. Stuck with you, yeah. Yeah. So we would have quite a strong discussion about SWOT. You yeah. Know, what, what are our strengths? So let's take advantage of those. Uh, what are our weaknesses? Now, what can we do to fix them? Mm-hmm. Our opportunities, what's out there? What are other se- market sectors that we can jump into and, and take that opportunity? And what are our threats? You know, what... What happens if we raise our prices too much? We're going to lose a market share because, because we're in a highly competitive industry. So you, you evaluate all of that. Once you've decided the action to take, then we, start, we started getting into the actual budgeting processes, as a lot of people know it, uh, where you do discuss revenues, costs, uh, capital expenditure, etc. But as I said, one impressed upon me as a young man was the time spent in the whole budgeting process, but getting the, the basis right, getting yeah. the foundations right of the budget. Yeah. At the end of the day, with, with a budget, and with and given the SWOT analysis is part of that, that function, at the end of the day, a budget is just a budget, right? But what, mm. what budgeting and devising a SWOT analysis does, it lets you, in the, um, in the cool light of day, when you're not, <laughs> you know, you haven't got the crocodiles, you're not, what do they say? You're not draining the swamp while the crocodiles are in there. In there yeah. You can set a budget. You know where you thought you could go, given your assets and strengths and weaknesses, et cetera. And once you deviate from that, you can move quickly. Yeah. And when I say deviate, it could be either positive or negative. So yeah. if it's positive, okay, what went right here and can we take advantage of it? And if it's negative, we need to fix this. Yeah. So that's, that's what that's all about. But I guess that's what I'm challenging. Like, I, I agree. You know, we used to, when I first started out working in corporate, I used to surprise me that we'd start our budgeting process as early as, say, February or March yes. to hit yes. the 1st of July. But I could yes. see some real significance as I grew in, in corporate. There was yes. some real significance because you had to get people involved. You had to, like you said, lay those foundations mm. and you know, back then it was very obvious that we were doing SWOT analysis because that terminology was being used. But a lot of business owners today inadvertently are probably doing the same type of analysis. I think that the the thing that escapes me right now and I see with a lot of business owners and even when they come to me when we talk about financials is this surprise element Mm. to the way their financials are actually behaving. And, and to me, that comes yeah. back to those foundations. You know, right. why, why are you so surprised if right. you've done the work? And I guess that's why I'm challenging that if you are laying the right components up front and understanding all yeah. of, yeah. you know, your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities and threats, it's almost like going into an interview and, mm. you know, people asking you what your strengths are, you can rattle them right off. But the minute somebody asks you to identify these weaknesses or even some of the gaps in, in yourself, mm. you really, really struggle to answer that yeah. question. And, yeah. and business owners today are, 
aren't taking advantage enough of being completely honest about all the components or those four components in particular when they're building their businesses to then be able to understand why their results are the way they are. Well, I think the business owners today, whereas they might do it inadvertently, Mm. once you drag them kicking and screaming into um, (laughs) a a more formal assessment, the last time I conducted a SWOT analysis, I had a 3PL manager, I had a, um, a sales manager and an operations manager who is now taken over as the CEO. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of all of that was that when I was up on the whiteboard and discussing all these things, this was a revelation to them. Yeah. Now, even though, they, as I said before, they might do it inadvertently, once it's formalised and it's up there, you can just see they're, they're coming up with other ideas. They're coming up with other suggestions as to how to manipulate the market, how to how to not to um, succumb to the threats, and you could see it was a it was a light bulb moment, game changer for, for the yeah. three of them. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'd like to think they took something away from that. But they, it also keeps you all on the same page. I think mm. when you get in a room like that. Mm. To some degree, I think it's easier when you do have a team of people to formalise certain processes in a business. So say, for example, a SWAN analysis getting together with your management team or even just formalising a budget. Mm. But there are a lot of business owners out there that are solo or mum and dad type businesses that, Mm. you know, I don't think follow the same strategy and you know my my biggest motto is you know if you're gonna if you want to be a big business you got to think like a big business Mm. right from the get-go even if there's one of you sitting there so you know I I guess I just want to stress that formalization is not just adding to workload in Mm. terms of the way people operate or should operate Mm. it's it's being able to keep track of where your thoughts were at the time to be able to identify a reaction point if things aren't yeah. going the way you anticipate. And it's also about getting people involved, getting the people with the responsibility to think about their own budgets. One of the problems with small businesses is that, and it's happened in our business, time for budgets. And my team think, yeah, you come up with something and we'll, you know, that's fine by us. It's not good enough. It's no. not good enough because how can I go to my operations manager or my sales manager and say, we're, we're running low on sales. What's, what's happened here? Or yeah. our KPIs aren't right in the, in the operational sense. What's happening? They can turn to me and say, well, I don't know. I didn't say I could do that. Hmm. So yeah. they have to own it. And again, so if you go right to the very beginning and get them involved in the SWOT analysis, which lights a spark and then get them involved in the budgeting, then you can go back to them and ask questions. Hold them accountable as well. And hold them accountable. Yeah. I call that motivation by communication because if you, even, you know, even in that whole process where you're sitting down and you're talking to them about the SWOT analysis and you may have your own preconceived ideas as the owner of the business, Mm. but if you're not getting those on the front line to communicate or to even stop you and say that's unrealistic, that Mm. we can't achieve that in that time frame, and then come up with a workable solution that suits you both, you're always going to be kicking the tire because you're Mm. not, they're going to continue to respond with, you wanted that, but I 
didn't and yeah. I wasn't able to achieve it and I told yeah. you. You know it's what I mean? They so, didn't want it. They, no. I didn't say I could do that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, so, and yeah. then you've got no comeback. No, I agree. Yeah. And I see that. I see that a lot. I saw that a lot in corporate that there were so many people that just didn't communicate down the line mm. and the expectation was way too high. So mm. the budgets would never meet. The alignment was never there and the frustration mm. continued. And conversely, I see that with small business owners because, mm. you know, this particular process of going through each of those areas in their business can also identify to them external people that could potentially fill some of those gaps and then be able to communicate that to them to be able to get the results that they want. And therefore, you know, but if you're not doing the analysis, you're not, I don't know, you're not achieving what you want to achieve. And then that frustration level still exists. And I, I guess that's why I wanted to challenge this because I still use it. I, and like you said, a lot of people probably inadvertently use it, but they're not really coming up with a formalized structure and then when they're asking the hard questions at the end in terms of the results they're not linking it back Mm. even to that thought process Mm. they had in the beginning whether it was formalized or not well it's good to be able to look back Um, Mm. i'm not a believer in five-year plans to be honest no me neither right because things change too too rapidly but it's good to be able to go back once you've set a target for the year Mm. that you can go back and say well we wanted to get XYZ company. We believe that we could get them across and they've got a, they're a large account and we could do it, but it hasn't happened. So why didn't it happen? Mm. Now, if, it's, if it is formalised, well, the sales manager, you would like to think, refers to that formal document and is out there trying to, to get that business. So yeah. at a meeting when you discuss why we haven't, there's normally reasons for it. Yeah. Valid reasons for it. And, well, there are reasons. They may be valid or not. Um, yeah. It may be just that the person didn't push hard enough. Yeah. So, so you can at least refer to it and go back or say, okay, it can't be done. Now let's, let's redirect our focus onto something else. But in, addition, in addition to that, what I love about, about formalising, even if it is just a 12-month, I, I tend to do like a 12-month rolling forecast when I'm thinking yeah. about my business yeah. and even smaller businesses, you know, there's that reaction time. So if you, if you are measuring and monitoring what, the, what you put in place to begin with, mm-hmm. then you've got an opportunity to react in the event that it's not going to take place. So say, for yeah. example, if you're in that instance, if your sales manager comes to you in the February before the June results and says, we're not going to get this person across the line and it, it's all valid or whatever it might be. You as a business have got time to react to potentially sourcing mm. other clients that could fill that gap. So you could still sure. Sure. achieve the outcomes mm. that you had put in place for that entire yeah. financial year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I love about mm. the formalization process. Mm. But, you know. Yeah. This discussion has sort of taken us away from the general concept. Of, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> taken us to the general concept, general concept. Of, of budgeting in total. Right. Yeah. I just want to emphasise that to get a, a a meaningful budget, the SWOT analysis is 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 vital. Yeah. I believe is vital. Right. Yep. You need to. You, what do they say? You 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 define your 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 strengths, and you take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. You look at your weaknesses and you fix them. 
you find opportunities and you take them. Yeah. And you look at look at threats and diminish them. Yeah. Or eliminate them. And it's it's just such a uh, a logical step because once you've gone through that process, then the budgeting process, the 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 act of putting pen to paper, then in terms of figures, makes it a lot more sensible. Yeah, and you can you can develop the strategy correctly. Mm. You know, you're going to make more informed decisions about purchases that are going to be made, investments into certain areas of the business, right. projects that have to be undertaken. You can develop timeframes and then be able to mm. factor that information or that financial data back into your budgets yeah. uh, to then be able to just tick all of those boxes and even mm. revenue. Like a lot of small business owners find it very difficult to estimate revenue, but revenue is just one of the component that is the mm. flow on effect. Once yeah. you've developed the strategies that come mm. from looking at your SWOT analysis. Small, small business tend to say, okay, what's our revenue for last year? Let's mm. add 10% or whatever, right? Yeah. What you're doing is you're setting yourself up for a fall in a sense, because there's a lot more out there that with some active involvement, you can, you can tap into. Yeah. So instead of saying, let's look at the base and adding 10%, you might be able to say, let's look at the base, add a little bit because there might be price increases, etc. But then here's a number of industries that we want to target. And here's the companies within those industries that we want to target. And once you've got that focus, it makes things a lot better. That's not going to happen if you just sit down and write numbers on a, on a sheet of paper. Sheet of paper, and yeah. call it okay. your budget. That's yep. going to happen when you do a SWOT analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, yeah. I like that you call it a foundation because I've never really thought mm. of it. I knew it was the first step and it was mm. always the first step that mm. I would take when doing any type of formalised budget, mm. but I never looked at it as a foundation, which mm. essentially is what it is. Well, I remember so, just going back to the, um, the Brambles analogy. I remember the first things, the first two things we did with a SWOT analysis yeah. was to to look at, or well, actually at, at board level, they would look at what they thought the inflation rate was going to be. So this is real high level stuff. Yeah. And they looked at what the human, the human resources market was going to do, right? Yeah. What's going to happen with awards, etc. So that becomes the basis of it. Because if you, if, if inflation's rampant or, or, and, or if you're, um, if you believe that, uh, labour rates are going to increase, well, then you've got to make a decision about what yeah. you're going to do to reflect that in your pricing. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so it, that's that's the basis of it. That's the start. Yeah. So how do you do it from a small business perspective? You've given us an indication mm. from a large business mm. where you are, you mm. know, some of the primary or key focuses. Mm. Uh, mm. What's the economy going to do? What's the workforce going to do? Yeah. What about from a smaller perspective? Yeah, look, we've got a... A document with our last SWOT analysis that we did and strengths for example we defined what our strengths were there were, I mentioned before about our niche in the marketplace where we're happy to accept the small mums and dads that want to break out of their their garage or, or lounge room yeah there aren't too many 3PL companies that do that yeah so we've, got, we've got that little niche sometimes it's you could almost say it's to our detriment which is a bit of a weakness as well because yep. They're very small. It's a good example, actually, because the margins are small or sometimes if the, if the orders are low, 
you could make losses. What we did is during the SWOT analysis, we then decided we need a minimum, a minimum price. Mm. So if, we, if we're moving product out and, the, and we don't get X amount of dollars out of the numbers generate or the orders generated for that day for a particular company, we charge them a certain amount. Yeah. And you'd be surprised every single client accepted it, queried yeah. it, but accepted it. So that's, that's the sort of thing. So just getting back to your question, the documents there. So with our um, opportunities, I remember opportunities was something that we really honed in on. Mm. And we did talk about where we're placed in the marketplace, wh- which industries we believe we can, we can um, service properly. Yep. And then within those industries, it was almost a matter of going onto the internet. I was going to say the yellow pages. <laughs> it's a reflection of my age. Showing but, your age, you know, yeah. Going on, going on the internet and doing a search of which are the actual companies within those industries and having a, a, um, a direct thrust toward getting them across the line. You don't always do it, and, but there are certain modicums of success yeah. where, where you do take. So that, therefore, if you are successful, then this take your revenue and add 10% is irrelevant because mm. you, you might be able to, you know, land another client that can double your revenue. And whilst you can feel as though if you do double your revenue, you can mm. feel as though you can put the budget away, I still mm. think that there's some real danger in not going back to that foundation yeah. and revisiting what their mm. strategy was because it's great yeah. to have the extra come on board, yeah. but extra revenue means extra expenses. Extra expenses mm. yeah. are going to decrease yeah. your um, margin mm. at the end of the day as well. So it's... Well, what, I, what, what I'd like to add to that is yeah. that let's just say we said as part of our opportunity, we're going to target coals and we get coals and it's fantastic and it doubles our revenue, which is way above our budget. I can still go to my salesperson and say, well done getting coals. But you also said you were going to get these three up. <laughs> yeah. So what's happened there? You've we'll tick that box. We'll tick the Coles box. But mm. what happened to Target stores and office works? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So, so there's no. It's it's not fine. You can't take your foot off the. You can't the pedal. take your foot off the accelerator. Yeah, it's good to always go back to the core and. Yeah. D- determine why you didn't achieve something or why you were able to achieve it. Because I think the why you were able to achieve it is just as important because then you can mimic those types of strategies in other areas of your business. And when you're forecasting again for the next year and it, you probably would, you know, break down that mentality of just adding 10% if Mm. you were looking at each of the key components that drove your numbers in your business. I'm glad we're having this discussion because the people at work aren't going to be glad because I'm <laughs> fired up now. <laughs> You're going to go back to those foundations. As soon as COVID's over, I'm going in. <laughs> You'll go back to the foundations and go, hang on a minute, we need to get back to that. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. But, yeah, it's good to hear that you still do SWOT analysis. Mm. I, I like to encourage it. Mm. Uh, and again, you know, I might not use the same terminology, but I think the, the core concepts are still, they're still in date. Like you can't, yeah, yeah, you can't forget about them. There, and they've been there yeah. right at the very beginning, you know. Yeah. And it's not about adding, yeah. every time I mention to a client that I'm going to give mm. them some work like that, they're like, oh, you just want to, I'm only a small business. You're just mm. trying to add, mm 
extra workload. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm just getting you to see your business differently. And then the story about your numbers will become clearer. Yeah, it'll, exactly it'll, right. Exactly yeah, right. It'll certainly also, identify what you do. It's also in your, in your private life. It's mm. these functions that you talk about, these four functions, they're really at the core of every decision we make. We make, yeah. Every decision we make. And they've, in varying degrees yeah. of importance. Yeah, I tend to agree. Mm. I could listen to you all day because I do, I have, I have for years, I have for years and you've been a really big supporter of everything that I've done and certainly helped me through my journey. And now it's time for me to help you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But well, you always yeah. have helped me, Amy. Oh, thanks. I do you think I haven't been inspired by the things you do? Oh, I'm going to keep that in here. Well, I have. Sure. I have. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Even if it's just to say that's my girl. <laughs> there she is. Look at her. There I am. But Dad, thanks so much for having this oh, chat. Like it was a, yeah. it was definitely a real worth pleasure. It. Real yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Good appreciate today. it. And that's it, guys, for another episode of the boring shit you need to know about business. I'm Amy Bajada, and I'll see you next time.